Welcome everybody to the very first episode of Slumber Party Cinema Club. Uh, I guess I'm calling this a film and nostalgia podcast. What do you think, Kate? I think that works. Yeah. Like, you know, all the films that we used to watch as like teens, um, spanning a lot of different genres or genres and just kind of our thoughts and on them and our experiences. And I know I like to watch um, a lot of movies over and over again and just sort of make jokes and commentary and think about like all the back characters that no one talks about during them. Oh, yeah. And and some of the backstory, too. And I think that Katie also we were talking a lot about these movies where you, you watch them often and often, but you can always pick up on certain things that maybe didn't stand out to you when you were a certain age or when we were all in a certain time period. So also an- analyzing how these have all uh, translated to what, what life is like now, what has, has held up, what hasn't, what might be a little more poignant now than it was back then. Yeah, for sure. I know uh, like tonight's movie, 10 Things I Hate About You, is uh, a little different watching it as an adult. Uh, than it was watching it when I was a teenager. So it came out in like 1999, which I was about 12 years old. So not quite in high school yet. Um, I don't even remember the first time I saw this movie. Oh, I can tell you exactly the first time I saw this movie. Um, We had a really cool English teacher in sophomore year of English. Our uh, reading list included Taming of the Shrew. And it was the first thing we had to read in her class. And so she had us watch during class periods for during the day in high school, we watched the Elizabeth Burton or the Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton uh, film, Taming of the Shrew. But then she held a special pizza night for us that October. Oh, that's awesome. The entirety of 10 Things I Hate About You. And it was the very first time I'd ever seen this movie. (laughs) I've never actually read the play, but I, I was listening to it. another podcast about it. And I guess it's like a little problematic. Like the movie definitely made some improvements. Uh, yeah. Miss Bergoni had it, her work cut out for, uh, <laughs> trying to teach us what this play was about, but I thought it was really interesting because there was, she framed the ending very differently. So when I went into college and we would talk about Tammy and the Shrew and how it, you know, how it was a bit of a problematic play, I didn't agree because she had taught us a different way of looking at it um, and looking at how the Shakespeare ending, you know, the, the ending of the Shakespeare production was actually very feminist, um, which I don't know if it was just her way of BSing herself and us into thinking that we we're still reading subversive literature, but um, it did stick with me. So plenty, I, I should dig out the paper I had to write when I was 15 about how, you know, in the end, Cat wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and like this movie is chock full of Shakespeare references like not even necessarily just taming of the Shrew references like there's references to sonnets sonnets and the uh names of like locations and you could have like a whole drinking game if you wanted to just take a drink every time there's a Shakespeare reference um you'd be pretty good and sauced but yeah so let's go ahead and get the movie started I will let everyone know when to press play in just a second um one other thing I kind of wanted to mention which I thought was pretty cool um so this movie is written by Karen McCullough and Kirsten Smith and they also wrote uh Legally Blonde The House Money The House Bunny and She's the Man so three super funny awesome movies that probably everyone has also seen I think that we might have to do a couple episodes based on those movies oh absolutely especially the house bunny um maybe a lot of people haven't seen that but I think it's I have not seen that one yet 
It's, I think it's an incredibly funny movie. Anna Ferris is in it and she's just so freaking funny. And like Colin Hanks is so cute. And there's a lot of like other actresses and actors in it that are just, it's an underrated comedy for sure. Cool. All right. So I am going to press play in three, two, one. So here we go. It is a little weird watching this movie on silent. Um, I know. So the way that Katie and I are doing this is we are watching this with subtitles. Yeah. I can sort of hear what is it? Bare naked ladies in my head. <laughs> the shot uh, pans over this. Like the, the cast of this movie is amazing. Like every single character, every single actor is so funny, no matter what role they're playing. And also this was Heath Ledger's first American movie. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I love to like this music, music transition that's about to happen from Bare Naked Ladies to Joan Jett. Cause it's just so cool when like you have a moment like this that tells you everything you need to know about this character. And also kind of like, we sort of have like the not like other girls feminism happening here, which I mean, it, it makes sense for Kat. She's a teenager. I feel like a lot of us, when we were figuring out, you know, our brand of feminism were very like, I, I know I was very like, well, I'm not like other girls. Like I was a huge tomboy. Yeah. If I wasn't already in high school, this movie solidified that whole whole identity for me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I forgot Allison Janney is in this. She yeah. is phenomenal. <laughs> yeah. And she's like this romance novelist, which I relate to as a romance writer myself. But I noticed this for the very first time ever when I was rewatching this a couple days ago. There's like romance books in the background, like on her bookshelf and like a romance, like novel sort of Fabio picture. I just never noticed that before. Oh God, I love that. Annie looks older now, like in this movie than she does now. Yeah. <laughs> God, I love her so much though. You know, you see Alice and Jenny. I noticed this in like the beginning of the movie, but then you never see her in the latter half of the movie. And I can only assume she either became a famous romance novelist and was able to quit her job as a guidance counselor, or she got in trouble for this little uh, moment of sexual harassment right here. I just got hope she got a book deal. Yeah, I hope so too. I love all the attitude, the teachers that they have. Also, uh, Dave Crumholtz looking like a 40-year-old high schooler <laughs> with his briefcase. He wrote a really good article that I saw referenced about how like the cast um, became like really good friends. Everybody had like a really good time. Like you definitely see that reflected in like the performances and stuff. This, oh my God, I love this trope with um, like explaining all the different clicks. I don't know who was the first to do it. I know Clueless is the first movie that I can think of that sort of did like the, there. there's this click and there's this this click and everyone has like the same costumes sort of. Kate, what click were you in high school? I think I might have been considered like a floater because like I would float between the backstage theater kids, the band kids, and the kids that didn't have a click. I sort of had like first half of high school click, like I was a cheerleader, but I wasn't cool at all in any way. So I didn't really hang out with like the other, you know, popular sports playing kids. But then I also hung out with like, you know, all the drama nerds and art kids and stuff. Oh, art kids were definitely in there too. I can think yeah. of and I was very involved with. <laughs> oh, also Dave Crumholtz. Yeah, I just was reminded, played Bernard the Elf in um, the Santa Claus movie. <laughs> I definitely had a crush on him as a kid. I thought oh, Bernard yeah. the Elf was so cute. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, I will tell you, I can roll through his filmography pretty fast because he has done so much. He was the lead in a CBS show called numbers yeah. for years. And there was like, he, I just watched uh, walk hard the Dewey Cox story last night for the very first time. And he plays Dewey Cox's manager for a solid 10 minutes of the movie. So yeah, his filmography is, is very wide. I love this. So I feel like this movie was so ahead of its time and um the teacher here was his name Mr. Morgan or whatever how he kind of shuts down Kat's sort of white feminist viewpoint right here because I didn't even think of that you know when I was in high school I wouldn't have thought of like you know upper middle class white girl complaining like yeah your life must be so tough just goes to point out you need a lot of diversity in our teaching staffs (laughs) yeah for sure I mean I went to I went to high school in the south but I had a pretty awesome English teacher when I was in high school um she was a queer woman so I think I got pretty lucky in the fact that I wasn't just reading books by dead white dudes and I do like the white rasta guys that are like yeah right on man (laughs) yeah Yeah, I might be a start on you too. <laughs> so Katie, as a romance writer, do you do the same kind of like visualization when you're writing that Allison Janney's character in this movie does? Um, I really don't. Maybe the most I'll do is if I am writing like, you know, a sexy time scene, I'll put on a nice like sexy times playlist. <laughs> mm. But I also, I would never use the word engorged. <laughs> engorged or what was the one she used earlier bratwurst calling a dick a bratwurst or as cat says swollen turgid yeah turgid (laughs) I can't even think that I've I I read a lot of romance novels too and I can't even think that I've ever read any of those words in a romance novel but maybe it was just a different time or maybe just Miss Perky was you know far more prolific than any of the others maybe yeah I mean I would say you know, romance novels sort of pick their verbiage uh, when it comes to, am I going to say the actual genitalia or am I going to say like her sex or his sex? <laughs> so one of the interesting things you see, like the windows in the back and you point out that her office is you know, well-dressed as a set designer you know, for what a set designer did. But the reason that the school looks the way it does is it was, wasn't it a railroad station that ended up burning? It was in Seattle and they had a great fire and they turned it into a high school, which is where they filmed this movie. Everything in this movie was filmed on location. Nothing was a set. Oh oh my God. The Cowboys eating the beans in the background just freaking slays me every time. (laughs) But yeah, I, it it was like a railroad station slash hotel. And then, yeah, it got rebuilt after the fire, which is kind of cool. This high school is insane, though. I, I Again, I went to a high school in the South. There, I think there was like 250 people in my graduating class. So it was like maybe an eighth of the size of this high school. And the fact that not everyone knows everyone is wild to me. Even when I hear stuff about your, your high school, Kate, like how people just didn't know each other <laughs> is bizarre. Yeah, we had 675 uh, people in our graduating class and uh, there were people that were walking with me graduation. I had absolutely no clue who they were. <laughs> in my notes while I was watching, I was kind of taking stream of consciousness notes while I was watching this um, a couple days ago. And one of the things I wrote about this scene is that they're standing very close to one another. Uh, Cameron and <laughs> David Crumholtz. I'm just going to keep calling him that because I forget his character's name. Michael, I think. God, he 
Andrew Keegan is just so obsessed with Cat Cat. I almost said Cat Dennings. Cat, the character Julia Stiles in this movie. So, and then the character of her best friend, I guess, in the original script, was supposed to like talk quite often about how she had tried to kill herself so she could be with William Shakespeare again. Oh yeah. Uh, because the script was a lot darker than what it turned into when they actually made the movie. Oh, you mean uh, Maureen right there, the best goddamn dancer <laughs> at the American Ballet Academy? Uh, I believe so, yes. Yeah. The one that's <laughs> William Shakespeare. If anybody's uh, watched uh, Center Stage like five million times like I did when I was in middle school. There are a lot of dance connections between this movie and and other movies if we've got that one and we haven't even gotten into save the last dance yeah which will come later i read a a tidbit that we'll have to bring up later in this movie yeah no i definitely would love to talk about save the last dance now that i live in chicago we both live in chicago (laughs) it definitely like it's weird seeing places that i like recognize oh my god we're so we're about to be introduced to cat's dad who is played by i'll say the incomparable Larry Miller, who was a staple of my childhood movies growing up and watching basically every movie that Gary Marshall ever directed. I love him. He's just so funny. He's such a great character actor. Sometimes he plays like a total butthole. <laughs> I think I think all of his all of his characters have like various levels of buttholeness, if you will. <laughs> and then cat reading the bell jar specifically a hardback version too like i have a copy on my shelf it is a paperback from barnes and noble same 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 i i got that i got the bell jar um from our school library when i was in high school and one of our library aides who was actually my a friend of mine's dad was like are you okay <laughs> and I didn't really understand why he was asking me if I was okay just sort of like yeah I'm just trying to like you know exhibit this sort of like feminist indie rock girl punk ass you know vibe so I've got to read the bell jar <laughs> no one knows who they are in high school I don't think I didn't read until after I graduated from college in fact my roommate from freshman year Katie who absolutely loves this movie this is like one this and Donnie Darko were the two DVDs she brought to college with her. Um, she gave me the copy for Christmas one year because I put it on my like Elfster Secret Santa list. And so she's Absolutely. the reason I ended up bringing the bell jar when I was 19 and hopefully out of the worst, or you know, 22 and hopefully out of the worst of, of the feels. I was, I was definitely in the feels. I, <laughs> just going back to the movie, I freaking love that their dad is an OBGYN whose greatest fear is her daughter is his daughter's getting pregnant. It's just it's so fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Well, and just the fact that they used Sarah Lawrence as the, the college the cat wants to be at. So apparently in the German version of this movie, cat wants to go to Harvard. So they, cause that's a more recognizable name. So when they translate yeah. German audiences, she was going to Harvard. Uh, but the actress who plays Bianca actually went to Sarah Lawrence. Oh, Neat. Yeah, I was going to say, probably people outside of America would recognize Harvard more than they would Sarah Lawrence. Those of us in, you know, America would kind of recognize Sarah Lawrence as like a feminist school, I think, sort of fits with her vibe. Oh, yeah. I have a note a little ways down that just says, what the hell? And I really... I want to get to what that was because I can't think of what the hell I just wrote what the hell about. Is it because Joey Donner's nickname is Eat Me? 
<laughs> I don't know. Maybe <laughs> Joey eat me Donner. I always, whenever I watched this movie, I always kind of wondered what Cameron was like in his previous like schools and stuff. He seems like a very confident kid. Like he's very awkward about asking her out, but he does it right away. Like there's really no tiptoeing around like I like you or like you know, waiting for her to make a move or figure out that he likes her. Which funny enough, he was still doing that show. He was still doing Third Rock from the song when he made this movie. Yeah. And they actually brought uh, the actress who played Bianca, and I can never remember her name. They actually brought her on to be a girlfriend for him in an episode. Oh, yeah. It's like Larissa Olenek. Yes. Yeah. She was in Mad Men, too. Yeah. She played one of the wives in Mad Men, yeah. I just think of her as Alex Mack, even though I never actually watched that show. Oh, she was also in Pretty Little Liars. Another show I didn't really watch. I like that he comes up with this idea of extreme dating. And I think we've seen like eight or, eight or nine different reality shows that are that now. Yeah. We were, um, Kyle was watching this with me. And one of the things that he said is he loves how uh, the two of these guys are immediately like ride or die for one another. And it's really, it's so true. Like, I guess Michael just really needed a friend and then Cameron moved and it was just perfect. The true romance of this movie. I also love all the like rumors that surround Heath Ledger's character and also his, I don't know if you see him yet, but his like friend that's here at the lab table with him. He doesn't have a name. He doesn't have any lines. He's in the background all the time, usually when Heath Ledger is around and I just feel like he's probably one of the most together characters in this high school. He's just got everything together. He's already in college. He's just trying to make it by. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's just like so over like Heath Ledger's sort of performative ultra male bullshit. Like he just grabs his <laughs> cigarette and puts it out. Like, come on, man, too far. I guess technically he does have a name. So <laughs> I know we both read the the IMDb trivia for this. Did you see the trivia that um, Andrew Keegan didn't know how to draw genitals? So sweet, innocent baby David Krumholtz had to teach him how. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, is that true? How do you I not know how to draw genitals? I mean, I don't well, know. Andrew Keegan was a sweet, protected little baby at the time that he made this movie. And then he went on to join to create a cult. Yeah. Yeah. He is the co-founder of Full Circle, um, a cult out in Los Angeles. Um, I was looking. I hadn't heard much about them. Um, cause I was forgetting the original story and I kind of looked it up in preparation for this. I think it was a bigger deal at the time that that news came out because it was not long after all of the drama with what's her name from Smallville, Allison Mack mm-hmm. and how she was involved with like Nexium and the, the sex cult and all of that. And so I think this was like him being involved with a cult was way more scary, but from what I can gather, I'm not going to I'm not going to say any cult is good and okay cuz you never know what's going on the other side of the wall but it seems very like LA new age spiritual kind of sort of co-ops and appropriates bits of every religion. <laughs> they don't really like pick one system of belief. Hmm. Another 40-year-old high schooler, Bogey Lowenstein. One of my favorite lines, though. It must be him with the brie. <laughs> must be Nigel done. with the brie. <laughs> yeah, oh, and I no. never even noticed that party scene. Nigel is actually there with the brie getting crushed by the crowd that comes in, as we'll see 
and a little while later. I wonder if that's Nigel who's catching the golf balls on the football on the football field. Maybe. I also have a lot of questions about why Patrick and his friend here is at like after school sports practice. This doesn't seem like it's PE or anything. They're just out here sort of smoking and watching everyone do their There's extra. A whole bunch of kids. There are a whole bunch of kids who are doing that. Yeah. I mean, I guess for like movie logic, you know, they're here. So this scene could happen. Well, they have to establish for the greatest scene in 1990 cinema that this is all set up too. Yeah, that's true. Spoiler alert. (laughs) So my self-proclaimed former high school burnout boyfriend says it's a place that's not at home where they can smoke and not be bothered. Yeah, that makes sense. And I... Yeah, that's true. I was a non-smoker in high school. Well, yeah, and I mean, this is the stadium that you have at your high school. And yeah, of course they would hang out here. This is so much different than the bleachers we had. Yeah, same. I know this, the school is actually in, I want to say Tacoma. Yeah, because that's the Puget Sound behind it. That's the body of water you're seeing. Oh, we did miss my um, what the hell note. So I don't remember what that was about. We've passed it already. You know, while... um, Patrick is like negotiating what the price should be for the date. And he, I think he says something about like movie, movie tickets should be $15, which sounded absurd back then because I think movies were probably like $3. Yeah. But I mean, well, yeah, maybe in 1999, but remember Seattle was up and coming in 1999. So it was becoming a pretty center at that time, which means that maybe tickets were a little bit more expensive. I don't think they quite hit $15. I think that's just Patrick being a good businessman. Yeah, absolutely. Like that's definitely like he's getting taken for a ride. Cause I remember I worked at the theater, our movie theater in high school and it was 2005. And I remember movie tickets had just gone up to $5 a person for like an adult ticket. Yeah, I think by senior year of my year, it was seven fifty. And yeah, now it's about $30 for two people to go to the movies at minimum. I love all of Kat's clothes in this movie. TBH like she just looks so like comfy and cool and effortless and I have always wanted to look like that and I feel at 35 I still haven't achieved that quite yet (laughs) I love this part of the movie though when she crunches that guy's car it reminds me of um Kathy Bates in Fried Green Tomatoes when she rams into those girls the younger girl's car have you seen that movie before I have seen the clip you're talking about okay basically I'm older and I've got insurance yeah lives in our household <laughs> exactly yep i mean you have to watch fried green tomatoes as like a rite of passage as like a girl growing up in the south so i definitely saw that movie very early in life this is cat's mad max moment and i love it yeah it's so good especially because that car she's driving is fully metal like oh yeah car is a a battleship ready to go <laughs> yeah it's kind of like that like old American muscle will always beat out those like flashy paper thin sports cars. Oh, absolutely. Not that I know a lot about cars, but I guess I sound like I do. So it's fine. (laughs) I think something else that's interesting about this movie, and maybe it's a shift in the way we do movies now where we don't want to talk about divorce, which is strange. But in 1999, they made it clear that their mom left and it's not that their mom tragically died. Um, Yeah in movies today we see that a little bit more often because it's like one less character they have to deal with and in this movie it's just like no she left she's not part of the picture anymore yeah and well like 
you know, the fact that she left is sort of the reason why the three of them, like the Stratfords in particular, are the way they are. Like it is why the dad is so controlling and the reason Bianca strives to be more so perfect and like Kat, you know, strives to push everyone away. It's it's deep. It's a deep script. It's meaty. It's not just funny. That's why it's so good. I remember the few times we went into the wood shop in my high school and it was a little bit more industrial looking like this, but it had the same level of chaos. Yeah, my school was definitely too poor to have a wood shop or metal shop. We had all these things in college because I went to art school, but I guess the difference would be no one is wearing safety goggles. Mm-hmm. And major violations, major violations. Yeah. Well, in art, in er, sorry, in college, um, in our all of our shops, our wood shop or metal shop, whatever, there was a sign up that says your eyes are the consistency of cream cheese. <laughs> and I don't know if that's scientifically true, but it's a good enough reason to, you know, wear some safety coverings. Or if you were in, um, did you ever have chemistry in high school? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you had the goggles and you had posters up of you know how fast you know it takes for an eyeball to disintegrate and all that and so yeah we had our safety titles yeah I was just about to say uh we had the poster and I feel like a lot of people maybe have seen this uh Carol didn't wear her safety goggles and now she doesn't need them <laughs> yes that's exactly what we had on the wall <laughs> however there was an internet meme that went around that was did you know that semen comes out at 60 miles per hour Carol didn't, didn't wear safety goggles and now she doesn't need them Jesus <laughs> I um I love the announcement stairs here um mm-hmm. is this like is this something that happened? Did you have stairs at your high school? We did, but I don't remember anyone ever pulling this. Okay. I, I mean, I think it's so cool. Five, we certainly didn't have five levels of stairs. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have any stairs, but I think it's such a freaking cool thing. Like anytime somebody has an announcement, they just print a flyer and throw it down the stairs everyone says poor bogey i mean he tried to usurp this is revenge it's it's he tried to usurp uh dave crumholtz's place in the nba club so mm-hmm. i mean it's just you know it's you win or you die it's it's game of thrones before game of thrones this is like such a cute when they're at the troll which by the way i've seen this because i've been to seattle one time and i saw this little this troll thing but this is like such a cute little like date like hangout they're on <laughs> actually it's funny that we're watching this right now because one of my coworkers lives in seattle and she fosters dogs and she took one of her foster dogs to this statue over this weekend this past uh-huh. weekend and there's a picture of him just huddled in her arms because he is absolutely terrified. Oh, no. Yeah, there were like people all over it. So I'm like, they definitely shut this down for filming because I feel like it's a busy, busy touristy spot. Kat also has like the perfect indie rock girl bedroom. Especially because there is a part of this that, you know, like certain things in movies. And I know we both have these that just sort of stick with you forever and ever and ever and the whole remark about why she has black underwear has always stuck with me oh yeah same I was like first of all is that a thing Uh, yeah because like I was like I don't know if that's a thing but then all of a sudden I was like oh no I wonder if if that's a thing because this movie made it a thing or this the writers were just smart enough to listen to some teen girl at some point (laughs) yeah well and I was always like I never liked white underwear. Like as soon as my mom let me start picking out, 
you know, underwear for myself. I was always like, I want colors and like black and stuff. Sort of like, am I a slut? Am I a little baby slut? Because I want. I also love this bar scene because when I was a teenager watching this movie, I honestly like it didn't even register to me like, oh, these teens are at a bar. That's weird and not legal. Well, I assumed watching this movie that this was Rosie's that was just down the street from where we lived because it was this little bar that never seemed to close and it was very tiny. And I figured that this was what Rosie looked like inside. Mm. And no wonder I wasn't allowed to go in there. (laughs) (laughs) That's my other favorite thing about this like scene too is when um, David Krumholtz and Cameron walk in, they're like, so this is what a bar looks like? And again, that's such a teenage thing. I I don't know. I'm 35 and I still don't feel comfortable in a bar. I'm like, people know I shouldn't be here. <laughs> I like the fact that Patrick's in here and no one really bats an eye. He's, he's in here and his friend is in here. His scurvy is his name. That's what it says in the credits. It's, it's scurvy. That's fantastic. Yeah, I guess. Like Thai food, feminist prose, and angry girl music of the indie rock persuasion. Same. Yeah, I do like Thai food. I never had Thai food until I was in college. My One of my favorite parts of this movie is coming up when they're at the club and Letters to Cleo is there. But I'm like, okay, this club, club skunk. Definitely, it's either... It's got to be a lesbian bar, right? And that's why he doesn't want to be seen there. Yeah, the only thing, I don't know, maybe because we had this thing up in the Chicago area called Club Soda mm-hmm. that was like 18 and under, because that's not a problem. 18 years old and under is not going to cause any issues, right? Um, so I can only imagine that maybe that's why he doesn't want to go because it's a group that's younger. But yeah, just looking at the the casting that they did, yeah, he probably doesn't want there because it is very much a woman power slash lesbian bar yeah I was trying to figure out if this is like an actual bar or like club because I was I was kind of thinking about like oh okay this is in Seattle you know where sort of grunge and garage music sort of had its big moment and I was like is this one of like the big clubs like the way CBGB was to you know, punk. Well, yeah. if they, if you consider, they said that all of this was filmed on location. There is a bar that looks like this in Seattle somewhere. Right. Um, but oh my God, letters to Cleo. So, so cute. And I, I feel like this, this movie was sort of my introduction to, um, angry girl music of the Andrew rock persuasion, because definitely like at 12, I hadn't really listened to a lot of, um, music outside of what my parents like to listen to. But I mean, this is, this is the first movie that I had ever heard of Bikini Kill or The Raincoats or, you know, any band like that. We're going to talk about this in a different episode, but I think my introduction to those kinds of bands was the soundtracks from Freaky Friday and Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. <laughs> yeah. Also, this is like such a, like the easiest way to a girl's heart, especially in high school, is to like like the same obscure music that she likes like if some dude came out to me in high school and was like oh yeah alkaline trio I love them I'd be like okay take me now (laughs) oh good so my because I use the reverse trick on people I want to date so you pretend to hate what they like (laughs) no I like like, just because I'm female gotcha way to a girl's heart when you're a guy in high school but no for me it's you know oh you like this let me go and learn as much about it as possible (laughs) gotcha gotcha especially because like well my personality in high school was um very like oh I like cool music like that sort of 
my thing and everyone who is popular likes shitty country music growing up in florida will do that i mean now i i freely admit that i i enjoy country music from time to time but back then it was like absolutely not i also kind of like wrote at that part when cat sort of saying like it's not a no, but it's not a yes to him asking her out. I was like, man, I wish I could have been that cool when I was in high school. And when I was single, like if a guy was asking me out, like I was just <laughs> admittedly, I was so desperate that if a cute boy was like, do you want to go out? I'd be like, absolutely. Do you mean me? Are you talking to me? <laughs> I was going to say, I know we're trying to do this from as feminist a perspective as possible, but I'm sorry, Heath Ledger in this movie asked you out. There, there's no no. There's just yes. <laughs> you know what? We all have our weak points. We're we're proud feminists. We're not perfect feminists. So, <laughs> <laughs> and especially especially when I was a teenager, I definitely was not a perfect feminist. Like I said, very very into that. I'm not like other girls sort of attitude. Oh yeah. I do love watching this because it brings back, do you remember during Full House when cousin Becky is expecting and Jesse puts on the empathy belly and walks around with it for a day so you can understand how she's feeling? Vaguely? Yeah, that sounds familiar. They had a guest star who came on. He was like, I've been around for like 90 years, you know, for 90 years and I've just seen the first pregnant man I've ever seen in my life. And I don't know why the episode sticks with me, but. I mean, clearly they never saw the Arnold Schwarzenegger hit Junior. (laughs) That's seminal film. (laughs) I love these guys getting ready for the party. David Crumholtz is so nervous. They've got on the table, Pepto-Bismol Centrum condom. (laughs) He also has a, um, like a 40 year old room, except for that, like lady poster in the background. One could even say that's a 40 year old thing too. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a very nineties thing. Certainly. I wonder if, um, teen boys nowadays still have like car babes and stuff on their walls. I can tell you, I know at least two 30 year old, 30 year old men who have a uh, sports illustrated calendar up in their Oh no. <laughs> Here comes Nigel with the Brie. Nigel with the Brie. He does get crushed. Oh my God. That's such a huge tray of Brie though. I know it's blink and you'll miss it, but um, I also love that like people brought stuff to this party. Like it's not like they knew it was going to be a surprise party to bogey, but people. Nigel just- seriously just brings a platter with a slice of brie on it. That yeah. is incredible. But I mean, like all the people that brought um, like kegs and this DJ guy. That, the DJ like, brought his whole setup. That's yeah. incredible. How much money could he have made off of that? I don't know. I'm also a fan of the 1999 fixation with peasant dresses, like the one that we see here. Yeah. Uh, I definitely had a shirt like that in 1999 that I wore as often as I could. Yeah, the there was like that resurgence of sort of like 60 flowers girl flower girl style. Yeah, I do think it's it's kind of back now. It's called selkie. I thought it was called like cottage core or like farm. There's all those farm girl dresses you can get at Target. Well, my mom who grew up in the 60s used to call it my uh, flower child look because she said in the 60s it was very big among the the flower children. So do you think, I have this theory that, because obviously um, Andrew Keegan is obsessed with Julia Stiles throughout this movie, 
And I sort of have this like theory that he actually likes her. Like everything he does, he seems to do is like to get her attention a little bit. Hmm. Or maybe he doesn't actually like her. I don't know. He's like interested in some way. Like, I don't know if it's because of like the challenge thing, but we find out, you know, later on that they've already had sex, that they were already together. That is true. Again, spoiler alert for anyone on, you know, listening that's not seen this movie before. Yeah. I hope you have, um, since we're talking over it, but. This is one hell of a way to watch this movie. Um, oh, and those are the biggest shots of tequila I have seen at any house party, including after I got a full-size adult paycheck. <laughs> God, David Krumholtz in this party scene is just freaking perfect. Like, he's trying so hard, but he is just so unabashedly, like, terrible at <laughs> being a teenager oh yeah I don't think David Krumholz ever was a teenager yeah I mean it's like and honestly that's not a comment on his acting or like his acting choices I just think that's who the character is well and speaking of acting so when um uh Julia Stiles was filming this and she had to do the scene that's coming up with her dancing on a table um, she was at an age where she had never been drunk before. So she actually asked her dad to help her get drunk so she could understand what it felt like and how she would behave before she filmed the scene sober. Oh, how old was she? Do you know? I don't remember her exact age, but she was like, I think she was, she was definitely under 21, I think, when they did this. But maybe it was just the way that she had been living. She just never had been drunk before to the extent that she needed to be to understand how to act in those scene, which is something that I remember because I went off to college. My parents had me drink four beers in one night so I could understand what it was like to be drunk. And I didn't finish them because I was just full. I didn't like how full I felt. Because it's, it's a, a loaf of bread in a can. Pretty much. <laughs> I was definitely, the first time I got drunk, I didn't get drunk until after high school, after I graduated, because I was so terrified of like dying in a drunk driving accident or something before I graduated but after I graduated it was it was fine I was really disappointed with the way like booze tasted I didn't understand why people liked it because it was disgusting <laughs> um I was like that kid like if you've ever seen can't hardly wait like <laughs> that yells out yeah. don't nobody drink the beer the beer has gone bad like <laughs> that was me I also like here how um, Bianca sort of starts to realize that Andrew Keegan sucks. And Gabrielle Union is also an unsung hero of this film. Yeah, but she also, like, breaks girl code hard. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, The so the party scene is sort of, like, halfway through the movie. I just checked the time. And I was about to say, like... It sort of seems like after this party, all the characters sort of have like their change. Like everyone sort of has their like, okay, I'm going to drop my mask and like, or my sort of, you know, persona that I put on for everyone else. And I'm going to be a real human, if that makes yeah. sense. Funny, funny how social traumatization can have, have that effect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course, that whole scene, like between the fact that this was like the first, one of the first times that we actually saw true classic hip-hop in a teen film being used grant a teen film that is just filled with white kids um but also that whole thing for some reason they saw that and were like you know what julia Stiles should be the lead in a dance movie oh yeah i mean she had some pretty good moves yeah she she made it work yeah 
I also love here how like, you know, Patrick is definitely friends with these boys now. Like he's sort of like, I feel like he almost has this like older brother vibe. Oh yeah. And you can tell like, he's not just in it for the money. Which, you know, maybe he wasn't. That's why he kept upping his price. Right. Right. He talks about Kat using big words when she's smashed. I think this whole, well, a lot of teen movies in general, but I think this whole movie is full of like really good vocab words, especially, you know, in the beginning when Ms. Perky is looking for all of her synonyms. Oh yeah. The script's smart. Well, that's what happens when you're adapting, when you do it well, when you're adapting a Shakespeare play like Tammy the Shrew. Like you said, Tammy the Shrew, I mean, like a, a surface level read of that play is not adaptable these days but they found a way to do it yeah for sure you know and it kind of makes me think like I was thinking about like other Shakespeare comedies that I like have read or I've seen movie versions of and they really kind of are primed to be teen comedies or teen rom-coms well she's the man is 12th night right and yeah yep yep there's another there's another one that I can think of that's well well Clueless is Emma Oh, wait, Clueless that's is- Jane Austen. <laughs> I Jane Austen. Yeah. Oh, never mind. I need to, you know, it's but really- no classic literature <laughs> like that, though. It does have yeah. things seeing how they do it. Then again, Shakespeare's stuff was never really original either. He was drawing from a lot of folk tales. And yeah. Some degree, but... Well, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Get Over It. It's a little, I feel like it's a lesser known teen movie. No, I have not. Oh, okay. We are definitely going to um, do an episode on that because it's amazing. It's it's technically not based on Midsummer Night's Dream, but they sort of do a musical version play Midsummer Night's Dream in the movie. Okay. Oh, okay. Get Over It is Daniel Radcliffe's favorite movie. Emily in says, which case I'm- 100%. That's, Remember how I said that I try to get into things with people that I want to date? Yeah, then I want to date Dan Radcliffe, which means that absolutely I'm going to have to watch Get Over It. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Get Over It's amazing. Um, yeah, Ben Foster's in it, Martin Short's in it, Kirsten Dunst, um, Cisco. <laughs> um, I've never heard of this movie. Shane West is in it, and he does like this really bad Australian accent, but I think it's supposed to be bad on purpose. Zoe Zoe Saldana is in it. Colin Hanks again. Colin Hanks, who I just love. He's so cute. I think that that's every. Oh, um, I'm trying to think of the people who play like Ben Foster's parents. It's like Su- Swoozie Kurtz and um, oh Ed Beakley Jr. <laughs> Mila Kunis is also in it. Vitamin C, yeah, has a quick sort of cameo. It's a good movie. It's a great movie. <laughs> it's so underrated. Well, currently it's uh, on Showtime. So there's yeah. a capability as of the end of May or beginning of June. Yeah. Yeah. So if you guys keep listening to the podcast, you will eventually hear us do a Get Over It um, episode. Um, maybe we'll do another watch along for that one since it's such a good, crazy movie. I'd love that. I do like that Kat wants him to kiss her after she has just peaked, potentially on his shoes. Yeah. I mean, I, I obviously that's not and, the reason yeah. he doesn't want to. Right. Well, and, and also let's just give it up to the combination leather trench coat and flip-flop look. That's so 2000, so 1999. Oh, can I just back up though really quick and say mm-hmm. that? So he has a line where he says like, oh, I know everyone digs your sister, but she's without. And I was always kind of like, what does that mean? 
like she's without and I st- I honestly still don't understand that's a good question I don't think I ever picked up on that yeah I was like without like Class. Charm. Charm, yeah. <laughs> like, or, I don't know. or maybe it's maybe it's a Shakespeare quote because there are a whole bunch of different things. I burn, I perish, I pine is a Shakespeare quote. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another, there's a, a line, cruel to be kind in the song that they play at the end of oh, the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, for, that's from Hamlet. Yeah, because I'm like, she's not that bad. Like, she's definitely not the girl for you by any means, but <laughs> she figures it out. Like, she started to figure it out here in the scene, in this car scene, when she smashes her face into Cameron's oh those headrests scream 1990s yeah I love how everyone kind of has a like I feel like everyone in this movie is like rich because everyone has huge houses yeah the house that uh the Stafford uh, the Stratfords live in in this movie the last time it was up on the market because again real house it was on location uh sold for over a million dollars Jesus I mean that's a house in <laughs> Chicago <laughs> Well, keep in mind, this is Seattle. And actually, uh, these days, Seattle is a more expensive city to live in than Chicago. Oh, damn. Yeah, but I feel like all the teenage cars are like teenage cars, except for Joey's, Andrew Keegan's. He's got like a typical like rich boy. But when you're a teenager, you should have a shitty car. Like you just need to go through that. It builds character. Well, it's like Princess Diaries. She had the Thunderbird. I always wanted either that or Cat's car. Yeah. Yeah. I had a Chrysler LeBaron was technically my first car, but it wasn't really mine. It was my shared with my parents. And I think that was my favorite car that I had. It felt very punk rock in my head. (laughs) I can think of a couple song lyrics about Chrysler LeBaron, so it's all good. I almost said short girl long jacket. I mean, short skirt long. (laughs) She drives a white Chrysler LeBaron. Mine was red. Mine was maroon and it was maroon on the outside and maroon on the inside. This is the first time that um, Bascog Dam Dancer and American Ballet Academy mentions that she's involved with William Shakespeare, which feels so relatable because since I could never really get any guys to like me in high school, sometimes I felt like I was dating whatever teen beat crush I had at the moment in my head. I was like, I'll just, you know, that's fine. I'm not crazy. (laughs) No, I'm so glad you said that because totally did the same thing, except mine was land fast. So it was never going to work out. Mm, See, mine was Justin Timberlake, which I, I hate a little bit now because I find him annoying. We all grew out of things. Yeah. Because I went from Lance Bass to Daniel Radcliffe to Johnny Depp. And you know, these days, not a great end point. I also like, there were also like random band dudes that I had crushes on. Um, not like guys in the band, but like, like guys in like famous bands. And they were usually like these like faux metal bands that would have like one good song or one song that was a hit. It was Edema. It was the band Edema. And I thought the lead singer from Edema was hot. <laughs> <laughs> I will admit it. And I'm sure no one knows what I'm talking about. So you guys can <laughs> Google lead singer from Edema and judge I me. We, I think we just found our sign-off music. <laughs> Edema. Archery, another um, rich school thing that my school didn't have. We did in middle school and I was actually pretty good at it, but I only got to do it once in middle school. Yeah. I like... I do it now um, at the Ren Fair, usually when we go every summer. Oh, that's cool. 
I'm not good at it. We didn't like, we didn't even really have actual gym class. See, I want the story. Yeah. See, I want the story of how that went down. Like, is she, is she going to be punished for that? I think that doesn't she, does she end up in detention for that? I don't think so. I mean, I think it was, it was, it was definitely neglect on her part, but I think they sort of probably just consider it an accident. But also he looked like he was, that teacher looked like he was in front of like sort of the archers line, which is probably not a safe place to be. So, I mean, maybe it's a little his fault. Ah, uh, yes. This movie is part of the uh, list of movies with uh, women who maybe want to play guitar. It was this. It was Freaky Friday. I had an envelope in my sock drawer that said guitar money on it. And I think at any given time it had a $5 bill. <laughs> it just got up to $5 total. And then, you know, Iron Man came out. So I had to go spend seven fifty to go see it in the movie theater. <laughs> You go, of course, of course. I mean, I'm pretty sure five dollars is far more than I ever saved when I was in high school. So I had no concept of savings or money. You know that cat is at like a feminist bookstore right now. Oh yeah. Also, I think we're coming up to the big scene of the movie that we mentioned before. Oh yes. Also, okay, this scene with him in the lunch line, he grabs nachos and I think mashed potatoes for his lunch. Okay, so yeah, now I'm, I'm a, this is my new thing this past <laughs> couple of months. I am so focused on what people are eating and ordering. <laughs> so yeah, he's got like a pasta dish. He's got nachos and mashed potatoes or mac and cheese. Could be either one. Yeah. Also, bonus points to the school for putting anything more on their nachos than just the plastic cheese sauce and some pickled jalapenos like there's black olives that's classy yeah I don't I feel like nachos in our school was like sort of a primo like lunch cart thing that you had to pay extra for along with like personal pizzas and fried broccoli and cheese I don't remember a single time I bought lunch at school honestly I always brought mine I think I did every now and again I do love that like if someone hits a touchdown they may lose the ball on the Puget Sound (laughs) <laughs> that's true maybe not a touchdown maybe a field goal that's not a field more yeah um, you know the point conversion at the end yeah, see yeah. we're really good at sports aren't we <laughs> i know <laughs> sports a little sport. <laughs> i've done a sport i've sported yeah. you've sported <laughs> yes this is the great one of the greatest scenes in 1990s cinema it is a good one you know, and it's um, sort of the standard to how we, I'm sure how we all, we all judged uh, boys who liked us is if they were willing to grant gesture, you know, sing in a football stadium for us. With this kind of talent too. Yeah. And the, cho- the choice of song was actually Julia Stiles who recommended it. Hmm. I think, wasn't there like another song that they were thinking of? Like it was like, I don't know. I love the donut cops. Or, or security guards. I don't know if they're cops or. Well, they're definitely officers going to their badges or their, their patches on their. Right. Yeah. And I think they have guns. <laughs> we won't get into that, well, but. Talkies. They're walkie talkies. Okay. So think... They must be kind of Andy frame parapro kind of. You know, I didn't, I didn't know what a parapro was. That was not something we had in our high school. Yeah. This is pre 9-11. So definitely different kinds of. True. That's cool. I do remember this joke with um, the teacher, the detention teacher, stealing this guy's pot and then stealing the guy's Cheetos. I'm, I think my 
dad had to explain that one to me because I was like, I know this is a joke. I can tell like comedy timing, but I don't understand what the joke is. (laughs) (laughs) I also didn't really, you know, have a concept of what weed was back then other than, you know, Nancy Reagan didn't want me to smoke it. Well, and now, I mean, this takes place in Seattle, which is in a state that legalized it. However, on school grounds, you're probably still not allowed to have it, especially if you don't drink tea. Well, and I don't think in 1999. It was not legal back then. No, yeah, no, no. Still probably about a decade away from it being legalized. Oh, I remember what happens now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised this isn't your what What the hell no. This was not my what the hell note, but I did note that her boobs hang out for a long time. And there's also a continuity issue in this scene because you can clearly see Patrick in the background, like looking at her when she lifts up her top. But then like later at the <laughs> end of the movie, he's like, or no, 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 no. In a little bit when they're on their date, he says something like, oh, what did you do to distract him? And she's like, oh, I dazzled him with my wits. So it's like, see, he's like looking, I'm, I'm saying see as if we're on the exact same part of the movie, but he's definitely, he definitely sees her boobs come out and her boobs are out for a long time. I, th- I don't think that counts as like a flash necessarily. Cause like a flash seems like it's, no, it's just like quick. turning the light on and keeping it on for <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then they go on like the best fucking date ever. Yeah, I will tell you, though, as some... Well, okay, yeah, they do a lot on this date, but the, the number one thing I remember is the, the paintball, and I will tell you that is not a hot thing to do. I have done no. it. It's disgusting. You get really sweaty. It hurts when you get hit by a paintball. Although they don't really paintball, do they? It's just water balloons of paint. Okay, that's what I was just going to ask, because they just sort of throw, like, balls of paint at each other. It's not, like, paintball with, like, a paintball gun. It looks so much more comfortable than actual. Paint. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, I would do this. I never wanted to paintball because I didn't want huge freaking welt on my skin. Oh, I had some, I had some classics at the end. We, I went on a afternoon that was a Groupon in college because the guy who got in the Groupon broke his ankle cheering at a volleyball game. Mm-hmm. Cheering at a volleyball game. Um, that was that was our dear friend. Uh, but because he he had a busted ankle, he didn't go. So I got to go instead. And yeah, paintballs, but not actually paintball. Mm. Just throwing balloons. It looks like a lot more fun. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this place is fake. It was like a staged. Well, if this podcast doesn't uh, pick up, or if this podcast pick, picks up and we make enough revenue, we will have to open one of these. Yeah. I, so personally, I like laser tag, which is paintball, but you don't get the bruising. True. I am a huge fan of laser tag. I haven't been since I was 14. (laughs) I haven't been since my, when my best friend turned 30, we had like a nerdy 30 birthday party. And one of the things we did for his birthday um, was go play laser tag and it was so much fun because you got to do like different missions where it was like one of them was like capture the flag and another one was like you're supposed to assassinate someone and you're playing on different teams it's great also they have like the cutest first kiss it's so good very fitting to them I yeah. also like the fact that he's got his hair and like a little tiny man bun in the back this is also like a really cute moment after the date when they're like comparing rumors um, about each other. And most of them are ones that like, you know, we have heard as an audience, as the audience. But like the one that doesn't make sense is he says dead guy in a parking lot. And she's like, 
that's false. What does dead guy in a parking lot mean? That is a good question. Also, I'm really like, you know, here she wants to go Sarah Lawrence and she has like talking to him about his growing up in Australia. And the first thing she says, oh, with the pygmies, come on, babe, you're about to go to Sarah Lawrence, like broaden your horizons. (laughs) Well, again, it was 1999, you know, it wasn't. So when we watched this as a class after school with pizza and he says, um, I bet you've pictured me naked. There was a girl in the back of our class that yelled out, I have thirsty. (laughs) Our teacher kind of was like, Come on, Rachel. But then also we could be like, yeah, but all of them. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Accurate. <laughs> yeah. Most of us have. Also, I also hate peas, Heath Ledger. So I'm with you. God, I'm just imagining like the dish soap they're going to have to use on their hair to get the paint out. Maybe it's like cheap paint, like the cheap craft paint. Maybe. Dish soap will still make it come out easier, though, I think. Also, I like that Cameron still has the like drilled French book. <laughs> he didn't get another French book. <laughs> I never noticed that before. <laughs> it's it's a good little bit. Bianca's like, where are you going to ask me out? He asked you out the first time you met. Stop being so high and mighty. Jesus. Yeah. You know, teenage boys are pretty dumb, though. But he, you're right, though. He shouldn't be that dumb after she's given him clear signs. Again, she smashed her face against your face, my dude. This ab thing that Larry Miller has on his deck is something that we totally had in my family. The little like ab, mm-hmm. ab rocker. I remember the ads for those. Yeah. My, one of my aunts was really into like fitness equipment fads in like the 90s um, and early 2000s. So we had like a lot of um, like those Nordic track ski things and like the ab rocker and those like little you know those like slide things where like you put on the boots and you slide back and forth yep 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 I mean it hasn't ended we just got through the peloton phase of society that's true which I still think about buying sometimes honestly but uh, it's just way too expensive (laughs) oh this just reminded me of another thing so like Bianca's talking about going to prom because apparently Cameron did nut up and ask her out But like sophomores in my high school weren't allowed to go to prom. You could only go to prom if you were a junior or a senior. You had to have, if you were a sophomore, you had to have a date that was a junior. Yeah. Yeah. That was our rule too. And also, okay. I've talked about this recently. Our like ceiling for people to be able to go to the prom was like 20 years old. That's (laughs) weird. I don't remember what ours was. I was like, that's weird. Like, I guess it sort of makes sense. Like, I don't know if you were dating somebody in high school, like you started dating when you were 16 and they are 18. And then like, it's continued on. Like, I don't know. It's a really weird, weird concept. Yeah. What was weirder was we had a girl in our middle school group in eighth grade who was dating a high schooler, like a junior in high school. Cause that's not weird. So like a 16 year old dating a 13 year old and she couldn't bring him to the eighth grade dance. Oh, made this big deal about how they wouldn't let her boyfriend go to the eighth grade dance. And we're like, yeah, we're 13, but even we find this creepy. Yeah. That feels icky, but also like, I don't know, as an adult, I'm like, they are all children. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I know for me in particular, there really wasn't much of a difference between 13 year old me and 16 year old me. I just probably cursed more when I was 16. Also, um, I guess this is the big like sister heart to heart, big reveal of, you know, Kat had had sex with Joey 
and they had dated, but I really like this conversation. I've never, I don't have any siblings, but I feel like I've been in situations with like friends and stuff where it's like, well, I want to protect you from the same, making the same mistakes I have. And like, you really can't do that. Like people kind of do sometimes have to figure out things on their own. Like Bianca did figure out on her own that Joey sucked, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, this is a little confirmation for her. Yeah. It's like, no matter how many times Kat said it, like he's terrible, stay away from him. She didn't listen. Yeah. I think the other interesting thing is like later on, spoiler alert, uh, we know that this is not why she wants to go to prom. And so it's fascinating to me that she is still acting on her family. She has not told them clearly. Oh, but like, she's not going to prom with, um, Andrew Key. Yeah. With Joey. Yeah, I guess because it's supposed to be like a big reveal when he comes to the door. Oh, yeah. The tool skirt, Mary Jane's and socks and a cardigan. So 1999. I always thought that was such a dumb outfit when I was younger. I was like, that's like her worst outfit in the movie. That's Bianca's nobody's going to see me because I'm home outfit. Yeah, I think she's also supposed to look like really innocent at that part. Yeah, Um, probably So question for you, when I was younger, like between the two prom dresses that the sister, the sisters wear, I hated Bianca's. I thought it was stupid and (laughs) ugly, but now I think it's really cute and interesting. You know, what's interesting is Bianca's came back in style because like at the time we were watching this, it was like, whatever, but like now it's like, oh no, two piece prom dresses were very much in style in 2019, 2020 for as much prom as we had. Yeah. I feel like like for this one for 1999 like she's supposed to be like the sort of on trend fashionable one and I was like Mm -hmm. is that I I don't know even in 1999 I was like this doesn't feel like it's on trend but it reminds me of I dream of Jeannie it does yeah you're right god I loved that show so many people were like oh uh, bewitched fans but I was all in that I dream of Jeannie well then Kat's dress looks like a bridesmaid's dress which is fitting because you can imagine she probably went to you know a thrift store and found it on a rack at the last minute or maybe she did have it all along or maybe she had it all along yeah oh my god save ferris another great band we have seen them perform live at riot fest in the past oh yeah i don't think yeah they were opening at one one year uh that i stepped in it was the year that jack white and the rock and tours were playing in the evening Okay. Yeah. Nope. I was not there for that one. But if we're talking about, well, okay. Now there's, there's a long list of movies that have used the, the song shout and party scenes and dance scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, uh, there's a whole montage in wedding crashers, etc. I just like how earlier in the movie they said like, Oh, we're going to see a band that by definition blows. And I'm like, I hope they were talking about save Ferris because I would love to have Save Ferris at my, or any ska band, really. <laughs> I would love my prom at a venue like this. Look at this. Yeah. Our prom was like at the Greek Orthodox Church. Now that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's where it always was. And then, well, the year, was it? Yeah, it was my senior prom that there were actually two proms that year because there was sort of an alternate prom because our school had... Um, students had had a problem, quote unquote, of um, getting in trouble for grinding up on one another during dances. And the staff would like turn on the lights if everyone got like way too sexual, which children. 
So the junior class who was always responsible for putting on the proms decided they were going to do an alternate prom basically so they could hump, everyone could hump freely, (laughs) (laughs) which is also crazy to think about because like there were parents that backed this. Well, I mean, different approaches. I will tell you that of all the prom dresses though, hers is my favorite, the William Shakespeare. Yes. Okay. It's phenomenal. Hard opinion. That is the most romantic thing that's done in this movie. I know a lot of people would say the song part, but I love the cosplaying and the just like surprise. It's just so sweet. I love it. It's my favorite. That's the one that I would want <laughs> for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is pretty good too. Surprising cat with letters to Cleo. I also just love how the entire high school's just super into it too. <laughs> yeah. I guess everyone's just into the live band. I mean, I guess, do people have live bands at their proms? Because we definitely just had a DJ. I feel like everyone just has a DJ. Oh, yeah, we had a DJ. In fact, in my adulthood, I've only been to one wedding that had a live band. Well, I'm thinking about the prom in the movie She's All That, too. And they had Usher. But he was sort of like the school's DJ. (laughs) Which we will do an episode on that because that is my favorite teen movie. I will be brand new. I have never seen that movie before. Oh, man. Ooh, I have lots to say on that one. You know, I like when um, Gabrielle Union, a.k.a. Chastity, comes into this bathroom all smug that she's at the prom, too. With well, Andrew- first, off, first off, let's take a moment for Gabrielle Union looking that good in this movie. And also knowing that she is just a very fashionable person in general. This is a nice kickoff to her career as just generally always looking good. Yeah. Yeah. She was playing a high schooler for a while, like way beyond, you know, high school years. I mean, I know mostly high schoolers are played by 30 year olds, especially on the CW, but, but yeah, she walks in there all smug and it's like, girl, you just got picked up because you were a last minute replacement. It's not like you were first choice. I don't know why you're so smug. I do love the details about um, Patrick and where he was for the past year. And it's just really sweet. (laughs) oh yeah his grandpa was sick and he was taking care and eating spaghettios and watching the old fortune also someone needs i know it was the look in 1999 but someone needs to get joey a tux that fits oh my gosh yes he looks like he's wearing his dad's coat (laughs) he really does i love uh alex mack bianca (laughs) i can't keep anybody's name straight like kicking his ass though and then like rescuing her man's I wonder if this was the movie that Hermione watched before she completely decked Draco Malfoy. Uh, yeah, Hermione kind of has some like cat vibes when she grows up. A little bit. God, the worst thing that he does is when he like grabs her to kiss her at this part. Such a bad move. Also, let's just peep her shoes. Like, I think she's wearing T-strap Mary Janes. <laughs> she really loves those Mary Janes. Well, Julia Stiles is also pretty tall, so I'm sure that part of it was just to make sure that she wasn't going to tower over everyone. That's true. I mean, also, I'm not going to judge. I, I wore flip-flops to my senior prom because my mm-hmm. dress covered my feet. I know there's like, because there's like a cut scene, because um, you see it like in the bloopers where like Kat finds out that Bianca was like sort of a part of this whole plan and is obviously pissed at her but they like just completely cut that out of the movie interesting I wonder what the decision was if they were just trying to make it under an hour and 35 minutes which is what they achieved 
Yeah, they might have. I know there was like a couple, like a few things that were cut out of the movie. Like the director had like inserted himself as a teacher character and all of his scenes were cut out. So what do we think it is that like made this such a seminal film? Was it the writing? I mean, it's hard to imagine anyone. The soundtrack, I think, was part of it. I think the writing for sure, the performances, maybe ensemble cast. But this movie stands out to me as like a critical 1990s rom-com for teenagers. Yeah, I I really think it's the writing. There's a lot of heart in this script, you know, and it's not just sort of like a... I, like, I want to say, like, sort of a vapid teen sex comedy, even though, like, the teen sex, sex comedy does sort of have its place in cinema. And obviously, there's really good ones, like Fast Time at Ridgemont High that sort of, like, stand out and hold their place. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's just this script has a lot of heart. It's very funny. It's very smart. It was sort of at, like, I feel, for what I remember, is it was sort of at the resurgence of sort of the teen movie teen heart or sorry rom-com I mean uh trend because I feel like you know we had like John Hughes in the 80s and stuff and then it kind of dropped off throughout the 90s a little bit um and then came back at the beginning of the 2000s yeah but I think that also the the teen rom-com sort of it had a a brief moment and maybe it's just changing I mean right now I can think of how many teen rom-coms have hit Netflix for streaming purposes I can't think of any that are like, everyone has to go to the theater and see this. Yeah, that's true. The, I I was like, I don't know if I'm out of touch because I'm not in really the main age group. Because like I've watched some on Netflix. Like I've watched To All the Boys I Loved Before. And um, let's just take a minute. I don't want to cut you off, but she has Poe on her, her binder. And if <laughs> anyone is listening to the Poe album that is based off of House of Leaves, that is just that warms my heart (laughs) I mean I think it just goes back to that like indie rock girl like punk girl vibe she's got going on but yeah I mean today I think we see a lot of films that are coming out that are targeted to teens but they're going straight to streaming which means that teenagers can watch them on demand and they don't have to head out to theater yeah they can watch it on a Tuesday night on a school night um things like Heartstopper I know is a a big one right now yeah Um, like you said to all the boys I went before there's like, another one. HBO love, Max. I know Love Victor was like a big one. Mm-hmm. Oh, those flip flops, man. <laughs> flip flops are such Pac- a thing. You either got them at Pack Sun or at Old Navy. <laughs> yep. I was all into Old Navy flip flops when I was in high school. Probably my biggest fashion sin was I loved um, wearing flip flops with those toe socks. Ooh. Like something about it, I knew it was bad, but I was like, I'm going to do this. This is going to be like my weird fashion quirk. I remember getting the worst blister of my life because I wore a pair of brand new old Navy flip-flops to a GameStop and played DDR for an hour. That's some skill because I feel like you would fall over or trip over the flip-flops. Yeah, I'm surprised I didn't. All I got was a pretty gnarly scar. The end of this movie is just so cute. Like their kiss is so cute and sort of the musical sting um, and then letters to Cleo, like on top of the high school. Which the band was terrified during during that screening. They talked about how pretty much like the patch of of rooftop they're standing on is the size of a small apartment's kitchen. Uh And they had a helicopter that the director threatened them there. He was like, it's $500,000 every time the helicopter has to take off. You better get it right. 
And so they're standing on a windy day that high up on that little patch of ground and a helicopter is swirling around them, making it even harder to stand up their straight. Yeah. Cause I was kind of like, is I, like, was this stage just built for th- them to be on and them to get this shot? That's crazy that it costs $500,000. And like, did you just have that left over in the budget to be able to do this? Like, why was this so important? <laughs> I mean, it's fucking cool. Like, but yeah, yeah there's scurvy. His name's scurvy. There scurvy. Is. Yep. Bless him. I should look up on IMDb if that guy, if that actor has ever been in any other movies. Usually I will look up side characters to see if they've, you know, been in other stuff, what their movie careers kind of turned out to be. Great movie. Great pick for our, our inaugural. Yeah. And I love the um, the bloopers that are after this part. Like, again, I think I, I said this in the beginning, Dave Krumholz wrote an article about the experience of being on this movie and how everyone was just such great friends um, and had like a really good time together. And you can you can tell in the performances, you can definitely tell when you watch the bloopers at the end. Yeah, he actually said that they were kind of worried because Heath Ledger didn't start screen, he didn't start filming with them until a little bit later. So they were kind of worried when they heard that Heath Ledger was joining a cast, how that was going to work out um, and whether he would fit in, but he did. We miss you, Heath Ledger, if you if you can hear us in the great beyond. So that's another uh, interesting uh, turn of events, right? So like Heath Ledger played the Joker. They mm-hmm. said that he was supposed to have like a Jack Nicholson kind of feel to him. J- Jack Nicholson had played the Joker, you know, 10 years before this movie came out. Right. Uh, and then uh, she has a poster of Jared Leto in her bedroom. Oh, yeah, because that's like her crush. <laughs> Oh, speaking of cult leaders, Jared Leto. <laughs> That's a whole different episode. We're going to figure out which, what we're going to want to talk about to get into the Jared Leto-verse. Yeah, and talk about something that I was recently brought up with like another friend. Is Jared Leto actually a good actor? I think he was once. We yeah. just, we, we, before we got, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about Fight Club. He was great yeah. in Fight <laughs> He didn't have to do a lot other than like- He didn't have a lot of lines. He just had to look yeah. cute. If you think Jared Leto is a good um, actor, call in now. Uh, here's the number. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take a Twitter poll before we do that episode. And we're going to ask, is Jared Leto, is, is Jared yeah. Leto an actor? Aside, aside from the cultiness, is he a good actor? Must, must be objective. I do like all the, the dancing, that music. It does make me like, oh, gosh, I want to be on a set like that. Everyone just has to dance and pretend to know that what the music is. That's yeah. That's always funny when it's just like, okay, now you guys dance. And it's all you can hear is like the shuffle of like feet and clothes. There it is. Stadium high school, Tacoma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right here at the end is that like cut scene of like cat being pissed at her sister. In her like angry mother of an elementary school student costume. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's it, guys. 10 Things I Hate About You here with the Slumber Party Cinema Club. Thanks for joining us. Just so you guys know, we do have a bunch of episodes coming out right in a row. Um, We wanted everyone to, you know, get really excited um, and get to know Kate and I and our podcast. Um, So coming up, we have um, a Mad Max Fury Road episode. Uh, We'll be doing a two-parter on Kill Bill which I like to claim is 
actually a love story. And we have a couple more. And then we also will have a very special 4th of July episode, which I won't spoil what movie is we're doing for 4th of July. You might be able to guess, but um, you'll definitely want to tune in to find out. Yeah. So we're going to continue uh, doing, oh, hey, listen, we've got a, a, a listener who just typed in, uh, never been kissed was as you like it yeah okay that makes sense because that's also um like what they're studying in the english class and or in never been kissed perfect yeah so are we are really excited uh we're going to be doing a couple of episodes uh they'll come up pre-rapid fire june 20th will be the kickoff you'll be able to hear this uh, edited down uh, into a snappy little little episode. Um, and then uh, we'll start releasing them pretty quickly. But we are hoping on doing either another virtual um, or possibly an in-person. We'll keep you all posted. Um, but you can follow us on Instagram and at Twitter. The handle is the same for both. It's at SP Cinema Club. So Slumber Party Cinema Club, SP Cinema Club. You can follow us there. And uh, yeah, we're, we're excited that you guys are here for our first one. Thank you so much for joining us. And we hope that uh, you enjoyed it. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Uh, come back soon. Um, one day we'll probably have a catchy sign off. <laughs> <laughs> we're working on it. Yeah. <laughs> but thanks, guys.